Johnstown on Sunday evenings. And in my introductory sermon to them on the letter of First Thessalonians, I mentioned that the that one of the main subjects of the Apostle Paul in that letter is the second coming of Jesus Christ. One of the things Paul wants to do through 1 Thessalonians is ground the believers in the doctrines of the Christian faith, particularly especially the doctrine of Christ's return. This morning, I'm going to uh, preach on 1 Thessalonians 4, verses 13 through 18, which is a passage that deals with this second coming of the Lord Jesus. In fact, this passage contains a number of truths about the return of Christ. Let me read for us our verses of this morning and then lead us in seeing in them five truths about the second coming of the Lord Jesus. Take a Bible and turn to 1 Thessalonians 4 and follow as I read verses 13 through 18 in God's word. By the way, someone has said in reference to this passage that this is one of the classic New Testament passages on the Lord's return. If we're going to study the second coming of Christ, we must at some point go into 1 Thessalonians 4, 13 through 18. Hear God's word. Brothers, we do not want you to be ignorant about those who fall asleep or to grieve like the rest of men who have no hope. We believe that Jesus died and rose again, and so we believe that God will bring with Jesus those who have fallen asleep in him. According to the Lord's own word, we tell you that we who are still alive, who are left till the coming of the Lord, will certainly not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trumpet call of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. After that, we who are still alive and are left will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will be with the Lord forever. Therefore, encourage each other with these words. Let us once again pray and then have the message. Heavenly Father, this is your word. You have given these verses, this passage to us to glorify yourself and to bless us. 
may you be in control now for your glory and our blessing. In Jesus' name, amen. First point, see with me in our verses that the Lord himself will descend from heaven. Verse 16, for the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trumpet call of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Someone has said in verse 16, Paul makes three points. And the first of them is that the one who will come at the end of this age is no less than the Lord himself. The Thessalonians are assured that they look forward to nothing less than the Lord himself. That the Lord himself will come is actually mentioned by Paul in each one of our verses of this morning except the first and last ones, verses 13 and 18. Let, let me show you that. Verse 14, we believe that Jesus died and rose again, and so we believe that God will bring with Jesus those who have fallen asleep in him. Jesus died, rose again, and is coming back. Verse 14. Verse 15. According to the Lord's own word, we tell you that we who are still alive, who are left till the coming of the Lord, will certainly not precede those who have fallen asleep. Verse 16. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command, etc. Verse 17, after that, we who are still alive and are left will be caught up with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so we will be with the Lord forever. The Lord Jesus himself will descend from heaven and his coming will be one of majesty and splendor and honor. As he tells us in Matthew 25, verse 31, he will come in his glory and all the angels will be with him and he will sit on his throne in heavenly glory. Under our first point, let me mention that when our verses of today say to us that it will be the Lord himself who will come, they mean by this that he will come literally, physically, I tell the story of speaking on the second coming of Christ in a class I had at a liberal seminary. I went to Covenant Seminary, a very fine seminary, 
I went again to Covenant Seminary, but in between, I did further graduate work at a liberal seminary. And in my talk on the return of Jesus there, I had in my mind a literal bodily return, but my professors had in their minds a figurative return. They thought Jesus would return in the sense that his ideas and his example would return in a significant way. Our verses of this morning are not talking about a figurative second coming. They tell us that the Lord himself literally bodily will come down from heaven with a loud command, with the voice of the archangel and with the trumpet call of God. The second coming, point one, the Lord Jesus himself will really actually descend. Second point, see with me in our verses that those who have fallen asleep or died in Christ will come with Christ at his return. Verse 14, we believe that Jesus died and rose again, and so we believe that God will bring with Jesus those who have fallen asleep in him. I have read that one question or concern that arose among the believers in Thessalonica concerning the second coming of Christ was, what becomes of believers who die before the second coming? Some of the believers in their fellowship had died, and they wanted to know, do they lose their share in the events associated with that great day? Do they miss out on that great triumph of Christ? Uh, it was held in Judaism that those who were alive at the end of the world would fare better than the dead. What becomes of believers in Christ who die before the second coming? Paul, in speaking to that concern, under the inspiration of God, says that believers who die before the return of Christ do not lose out in the events associated with that coming. The ones who are still alive when Jesus comes will have no advantage over the faithful departed because the faithful departed will come with Jesus when he returns. Point two, the spirits of those who have fallen asleep in Christ God will bring with Jesus when he sends his son to earth. 
our Westminster Shorter Catechism, under question and answer number 37, teaches us that when a believer in Christ dies, uh, one, his, her body is still united to Christ and rests in the grave. Two, his, her soul immediately passes into glory. Three, his, her soul is made perfect in holiness. Paul now also tells us about the souls of believers who have died, that when the Lord Jesus returns from heaven, the souls of those believers accompany him. They will share in that glorious, exciting, victorious day of Christ. For some reason, I, I think here of the story of the ark of God being brought to Jerusalem, 2 Samuel chapter 6. We read that on that great day, David and the entire house of Israel accompanied the ark with rejoicing. The whole house of Israel was there shouting and sounding trumpets. When Jesus Christ returns, God will bring with Jesus all those who have fallen asleep in him. I think of those who have lost their lives for Christ. I think of those who have been tortured and killed for Christ. I think of those who have believed in the Lord Jesus Christ. They will come with him and share in his triumph. And my friends, unless the Lord comes back while we are still alive, we will be part of that great multitude, of that great host which will accompany Jesus. Our third point. Our third point this morning is, at the return of Christ, the dead in Christ shall be raised first. Look at verse 16 once more. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trumpet call of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. One of the great events associated with the return of Christ is the resurrection of believers' bodies from the dead. As we said a few minutes ago, when a believer in Christ dies, his soul goes to heaven, but his body goes to the grave. His, her body is still united to Christ, and rests in the grave. But when Christ returns, he raises that body from the dead, changed and glorified, and he reunites it to the soul. 
As a seed is planted in the ground, so our bodies go to the grave at death. And as a wonderful flower comes forth from that seed, so glorified bodies will come forth from the grave at Christ's return for believers. What do they look like? Of what are they capable? How do they function? I'm going to let your pastor handle those questions. <laughs> I am simply going to say this. They will be perfectly fit for the new heaven and the new earth. But once more, Paul tells us that at the return of Christ, there will also be a resurrection, a resurrection of the bodies of those believers who had died before the return of Christ. Notice how verse 16 describes this resurrection event at the Lord's coming. Paul writes, For the Lord himself will come down from heaven, now here we go, with a loud command, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trumpet call of God. With a loud command, the Lord Jesus will command the bodies of the believers who have died to come forth from their graves, and of course, they will, for who can resist the voice of God? Think of our Lord Jesus at the grave of Lazarus. At the tomb, John chapter 11, verses 43 and 44 say, Jesus called in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. And the dead man came out. Someone has said, I believe it was one of the Puritans, that it's a good thing that Jesus said, Lazarus, come out. For if he would have simply said, come out, the whole cemetery would have come out. Think of God at the conversion of sinners. Second Corinthians chapter 4, verse 6 tells us, For God who said, let light shine out of darkness, made his light shine in our hearts at creation. God said, let there be light, and there was light. At conversion, God made his light shine in our hearts. When the Lord Jesus returns, he will speak the command for believers' bodies to come forth, changed and glorified, and they will. We also read in verse 16 that there will be a trumpet call of God. 
the Jewish people were familiar with trumpets because trumpets were used to declare war, to announce special times and seasons, and to gather the people. And in the Roman Empire, trumpets were used to announce the arrival of a great person. When Christ returns, the trumpet call of God will sound, announcing the arrival of the King of Kings and declaring his victory over all sin and opposition and gathering the people of God body and soul to himself. At the return of Christ, the dead in Christ shall rise. A fellow minister once saw this inscription on a gravestone in an old British cemetery in England. Pause, my friend, As you walk by, as you are now, so once was I. As I am now, so you will be. Prepare, my friend, to follow me. We one day, if the Lord doesn't return while we're alive, we one day will follow that dead person, I ask you, will your soul go immediately to heaven? And will your body one day come forth and be reunited with your soul to be with the Lord forever? At the return of Christ, the dead in Christ will rise. But what now about those believers who are still alive on earth when the Lord Jesus returns? It is possible that that will be our case. What can we say then about them at the parousia of Christ? Notice verse 17. After that, we who are still alive and are left will be caught up with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. Point four. After the bodies of the believers who have died have been raised and reunited to their souls, those believers who have not faced death, their bodies being gloriously changed by Christ, those believers will be caught up with the other believers. And together, they will meet the Lord in the air. And together, they will meet the Lord in the air. Uh, Caught up. That, uh, that word means they will be suddenly, swiftly, powerfully snatched up to meet the Lord, to welcome the Lord. Once more, 
the believers who have not died will undergo a spiritual and physical change. Spiritually, they will be made perfect in holiness at the return of Christ, and physically, they will possess glorious bodies and together with the other believers, they will be gathered to welcome their Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And referring to our Westminster Shorter Catechism again, question and answer number 38 goes on to also tell us this. Believers shall be openly acknowledged and acquitted in the day of judgment. A number of years ago, I was at a large meeting. I had gathered with hundreds of others to hear a well-known speaker. And during the speaker's talk, he acknowledged me. He, he spoke my name out loud, and he acknowledged that he knew me. And, and it was something. You want to hear something far better? At the return of Christ, the Lord Jesus shall openly acknowledge and acquit every single one who belongs to him. Every believer will be acknowledged by the Lord Jesus and acquitted of their guilt. Once again, what does the future hold for you? Will you be acknowledged by the Lord Jesus as a believer when he returns? Will you be acquitted of your guilt by him so that in a very special way you spend eternity with him? Here's our last point of the morning. And our last point is this. At the return of Christ, believers then will be with the Lord forever. Verse 17, after that, we who are still alive and are left will be caught up with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so we will be with the Lord forever. Our meeting of the Lord, our being gathered unto the Lord at his return will be an everlasting gathering. It will never end. It will go on and on. In John chapter 14, verse 3, our Lord Jesus said, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there you may be also. My friends, the goal of salvation is not just to rescue us from judgment, but it's to bring us into the presence of God. God made us to love him and enjoy him 
and fellowship with him and serve him and worship him. Sin destroyed that, but salvation restores that. At the return of Christ, Christ will receive believers unto himself that where he is, there they will be too forever. And not only will we be with our Lord forever, but we will be with all other believers forever too. I remember reading about a son who was not a believer. His mother was, and oh, how she prayed for her son, Tony, to come to know Christ. But when she died, he was still not a believer in Christ. However, because of a gracious working of the Holy Spirit, Tony went on to believe. And one day, he will be with his mother, body and soul. And one day, body and soul, he will be with all other believers forever. Listen to these two quotes. Together with them is a great statement. Death is the great separator, but Jesus Christ is the great reconciler. Together with them is what we're promised. Second quote, on the Mount of Transfiguration, the three disciples knew and recognized Moses and Elijah. Certainly, the saints will know each other in glory, including believers we have never met. We will be with the Lord forever and with all the other believers too. One more time, where are you in reference to the Lord Jesus? Do you know him? Not just know about, not just know some facts. Do you know him in your heart because you have received him? as your Savior and Lord. Do you know Jesus Christ so that when he comes, you will come with him and you will receive a changed and glorious body? Or when he comes, you will be caught up with the dead in Christ to welcome him. Do you know Jesus Christ so that you will be acknowledged by him at the judgment and spend eternity with him. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for this particular passage in your word. And we would pray again, may you use it in such a way that you're glorified and we are blessed. And oh, Heavenly Father, would you please work 
in the lives of people here today, in the lives of people in our homes, among our relatives who are not in Christ, bringing them to the Lord Jesus. We pray in his name. Amen.